never forget why you are the church. So we won't have the reference scriptures up on the screen. Uh, so what I want you to do is I'll be reading them because this TV is working, so I'll be able to see that. Um, but just go ahead and if you are a note taker, just jot those reference scriptures down and you can go back and read them and uh, understand the importance of the truth in them. Uh, but First Kings, we'll get there in a second. We're going to review a little bit. Let's see. Let me get there, too. If y'all there, say amen. Y'all choose this morning to be quick. You know what I'm saying? Like when I'm, all right, 1 Kings chapter uh, 1. But this morning we will conclude the family portion of this series. Now, I am fully aware and understand this has not been easy to hear, and we are looking at some intense examples out of David's life. I'm completely aware of that. I'm completely aware of if you're going to try to skip talking about anything, it's somebody's family. If you want to make anybody mad or angry, you talk about their family. I understand that. I get that. I am a father myself. I am a parent myself. However, we got to understand that your feelings are not as important as raising proper biblical godly children. Well, looks like I made you mad already. <laughs> We got to get out of our feelings. We got to get out of our own desires and our own ambitions and really look and take heed to the warnings that we find in God's word. However, if you do not think that there is an intense attack being executed on our families, you need to open your eyes and see clearly. We have become comfortable in the filth of this world. We have become as a as a pig or a hog that they're in the pig pen. And the, and the dirt is all warm, the mud is all nice, it cools us when we get hot, and, and, and it's all nice and comfortable, but in reality, we are filthy and dirty, and we've been comfortable. We have taken the customs of our culture, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and have inserted them into our homes. You do realize that not everything, uh, not everything is bad. Listen, it's, it's good to have a good time. It's, it's, it's good to, to be able to go and, on vacation and this and that. Extracurriculars are a good thing. We got to understand it's very difficult to balance that if you're not paying attention. We have tolerated so long that we now support, not, not, uh, we're not against it, we're not calling it out, but we now, uh, for many of us, support the sin in our family. We have placed our family above God himself in our hearts, so it has become natural to avoid the standards God has clearly set. We have done all this and wonder why our kids are still lost, why they struggle with the concept of faithfulness, why they struggle with the concept of obedience, why they struggle with the concept of there is a right and there is a wrong. You know, the world has done a great job at telling our kids that there's a lot of gray area in the world. So when there's gray area, you kind of have to just kind of go off of how you feel. You kind of just have to go off of how you identify. You have to go off of what everyone else is saying. Let me tell you something. With God, there is no gray area. We may have to study. There, there may be topics and there may be context that we have to go into and go deep into and, and get the sermon and that unction of the Holy Spirit to, 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 to uh, put us under what is right and what is wrong. 
But God is not confusing. But so often we are. Why our loved why our loved ones have no time for God? Well, because we didn't. Why our homes are disasters? Because they're built on shifting sands. When you blur the lines, everything gets complicated. And if anyone knows this, it's King David. Building the nation of Israel, all the while completely botching his family and home life. To quickly review, okay, we're going to quickly review here. We first saw that we are to discipline our children when they sin. Proverbs 23 says this in verse 13, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Now, I want you to understand something. I'm going to say this a little bit later, but I want everyone to realize I understand that certain kids take the certain disciplines differently. I've talked to parents that they say, well, we beat the mess out of this kid and and, and there's no change. But man, if you take something away from him, he listens. Right? We, we beat the mess out of this kid, and we, we, we don't spare the rod, Jay, but it never does anything. Well, maybe you need to have a conversation, or maybe you need to, to discipline that person differently. But here's the thing. I know this, and, and we can have differing opinions, but the rod worked on me. I'm just going to be honest with you. When that rod came out, I, I started listening real quick. Yes, sir, Daddy. Yes, sir. <laughs> what, what did you just say? I'm sorry. I was distracted. I was praying or something, and, and I didn't realize that you told me to do something. But listen, I know we have a lot of different uh, uh, parenting styles and discipline styles, but here's the thing. When there is no discipline, that's not a style. That is sabotage. David's refusal to discipline Amnon had a domino effect for the rest of his family and his reign. So, so we must discipline our children when they sin. But number two, we must seek restoration and forgiveness with our family. For three years, David left or let Absalom sit in banishment in Geshur with his grandfather. And when he did come back to Jerusalem, it took two years for David to confront his son. A lack of forgiveness and restoration restoration will always, listen, always create an abundance of bitterness and resentment. And you know what the easiest thing to do for us is? confrontation really isn't, we can, we can sit there. I know there's a few people, I've been in business meetings, there's a few people in this world that just love confrontation, right? I mean, we're, let's just say we're talking about, you know, flowers or something, and they, they want to argue for, for 30 minutes about what kind of flowers. My th- I'll never forget the first business meeting I came to here, and, 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 and some of you were here, and, and I wasn't even a member yet. I was just feeling, I, just, I was doing a pulpit supply. I think, I don't even know if I was intern yet, or in, intern, interim yet, and, uh, but, but they said, hey, come on Wednesday, we'll have a business meeting. I was like, what is that? And they said, oh, it's where we just kind of talk about business and, you know, vote on things. I was like, this is what they talked about. I've never been a part of a business meeting before, right? They, they did that with all the leadership, you know what I'm saying, at my home church. So anyway, so I get here and, and I said, well, do you need me to preach? Because, you know, it's Wednesday, I can preach. And they're like, no, nah, we don't need you to preach. Just, uh, you know, it, it'll just be business. I said, oh, okay. And, and so, I, so I come here and, and, and it, it's, it's, it was just... Uh, they said, and this is the only thing I have negative to say, they said it'd be 45 minutes. An hour and a half later, I'm like, oh, my goodness. 
But see, there was no real, there was no real argument, but, but there, was just, there was just confrontation that, that we wanted to handle. So I'm sitting back there, as a matter of fact, right in the back pew, just sitting there, you know, and, and I'm thinking, this, and, and, and it was, I remember, I'll never forget it. We, I think it was like a 45 minutes in, we were talking about what's safe to get for the church because, you know, this church burnt down and we don't want that to happen again. So, so we want to keep our stuff and our history and everything safe. And, and man, for 45 minutes, we're talking about the safe, we're talking about the safe. And, and man, I'll be honest with you, I'm getting a little bit like not tired of it but like you know physically actually tired and so I looked up best safe for a church and I said hey y'all I said this right here is this much and it's the number one rated safe for a church and you know what's funny they said we'll get it and I don't know if y'all just trying to be kind to me you know what I'm saying like oh this guy but guess what that safe is still in our office you know what I'm saying so either way it must have worked out but some people like confrontation but for the, the the majority we do not like to call people out. We don't like actual confrontation. Now, now, I want you to understand something. We have a lot of fake confronters. They'll confront everybody else except the person. Listen, and I've fallen, I've fallen guilty of that as well. I'm not, I have no lie to tell, but to actually go to that person, to actually go to that brother or sister and actually go and tell them, listen, this is what has happened. This is what God says about it. Can we be restored? Very rarely does that happen. Very rarely are we willing to do that. David, his son, his son, for a total of five years, two of those literally being in the same city, had no contact with him. Don't wait to forgive. Don't wait to attempt to restore. We say that time heals everything, but I want you to know something. That's not necessarily true. Time can hurt. And here it absolutely did. So we must seek restoration and forgiveness. But number three, we must also acknowledge that our kids actually legitimately do wrong. Amen. Did you know your little kid's a little sinner? Did you know that? Your grandkids even a sinner. Did you know that? Grandparents, did you know that your grandkids, your great-grandkids, they are little dirty sinners? That's what they are. That's what they do. Absalom did all he possibly could to shame, undermine, and dethrone his father. Yet when Absalom died in the battle that he caused, guys, it got so bad that they both had their armies. David had the army that he had. Absalom had his army, and they literally fought as in a battle. Absalom, of course, died in the battle, but David showed the kingdom that his son's sin did not matter with his response. And it almost cost him the kingdom. You're not there. You stay in 1 Kings. But, but in 2 Samuel 19, it says this. In that thou lovest, this is Joab speaking to David. In that thou lovest thine enemies and hatest thy friends. For thou hast declared this day that thou regardest neither princes nor servants. For this day I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all we had died this day, then it had pleased thee well. In other words, it, it, it seems like you're acting like that wicked son of yours. If he would have lived and we had all died, you'd been happier. Verse 7, now therefore arise, go forth and speak comfortably unto thy servants. Joab, get serious, for I swear by the Lord, if thou go not forth, there will not tarry one with thee this night. And that will be worse unto thee than all the evil that befell thee from thy youth until, until now. Joab got serious with him. Let me tell you something. We make everyone else's sin so serious except our own, Amen. And those that we love, we like to look over that. But Joab is an example 
when he speaks to David, he's saying, listen, you're about to lose the kingdom if you continue in this silliness, if you continue in this ignorance, if you continue putting a wicked, shameful, uh, betraying person in front of those that are loyal to you and the Lord. No one's going to tarry with you, David. Go speak to your people now. Quit crying. Quit, quit, quit acting like it was all okay. Quit acting like he was a perfect little kid. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. If you're a parent or if you're someone that's ever maybe taught a class, a kid's class, or whatever it is, let me ask you something. Have you ever said the words, listen, if you did something wrong, it's better if you just tell me we can talk about it. If, if, if you lied, confess it to me so we can have an actual comment. Don't lie to me about it. Don't try to cover that sin. And what do we do? When, when, that, when that kid or that person, when they confess to it, is there not more mercy in that situation? Never help hide your child's sin or your own. Can I tell you this? I have seen that completely ruin ministries. We don't talk about my kid. Don't. My kid's my kid. Don't do this. Don't, you know, hey, yeah, he has problems, but that's not your problem. Can I tell you something? In a church family, we are a family. Sin is a problem. doesn't matter whose sin it is. So this morning, we continue to learn from David's mistake, and this is a new point. So uh, number four, we must restrain our children's sinful heart. We must restrain our children's sinful heart. Look at 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. When you're there, say, I'm there. It says this, then Adoniah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father, this is David, and his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, why hast thou done so? And he also was a very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Aslan. The title is continued, Family Problems. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for those that are here and attentive. God, I pray, Lord, that you give me just the power, the boldness, the liberty, clarity to preach your word, Lord. Lord God, I pray that we understand that we need, to, we need to discipline, we need to call out sin. But God, I pray if there's any hypocrites here today that turn their finger to someone else but never turn their finger even to their own sin, God, I pray that you convict those that are here today of their sin so, Lord, they can repent and get back right with you. If there's somebody here who is lost in need of Jesus, God, I pray they understand that they are so loved that God gave his only begotten son. He gave him to come to this earth, to leave glory, to put on the robe of man so that he could live a perfect life, something that we could not do. And he lived that perfect life just to be sacrificed at Calvary. And the blood that was spilled at Calvary, God, can wash us clean. God, three days later after, we know that after uh, he was put in a tomb, God, we know that through your power, he was rose up from the dead. Lord, I pray today we understand that that same power can save us today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Family problems. Anyone got any family problems? You don't have to raise your hand. Just in your head, you're like, yup. Right? We all got family problems. Now, we see David has become an older man. Most biblical scholars believe him to be 70 years old at this point. 
All those years of fighting battles and fighting his own family, defending the kingdom. As a matter of fact, even as a young man, he didn't have it easy. Even as, a, even as a young adult, he had it very difficult. He was fleeing for his life. He was living in caves. He was running, running, running. All those difficult times. Now is the time to rest. He's conquered the enemies. God has used them. Listen, he, he has built up Israel. His reign is something that is powerful. Yet, David had lived a blessed life, but a difficult life as well. But instead of peace, there was more turmoil. In, instead of being able to rest, there was still turmoil. David had another son with the same woman that bared him Absalom. She also bore him another son named Adoniah. Now, Adoniah was yet another son that desired to claim the throne. But there was only one issue with that. The throne was already promised to Solomon, Bathsheba's son. The throne was not Adoniah's to have. And Adoniah knew this. So what did Adoniah do? Well, similar to what his late brother Absalom did, he exalted himself. Let me just go ahead and, and, and cut this for a second because I want you to understand something. In, in Scripture, anytime you see somebody exalting themselves, the next thing is usually not good. As a matter of fact, we, we, we've been studying on Wednesday nights that, that if you exalt yourself, you will be lowered. It was Lucifer, the angel of light, that, that desired to exalt himself to the throne of God, and God cast him out of heaven. Right here, Adonai, it, it clearly says he exalted himself. He was campaigning for himself. He put together a private team of bodyguards. He went behind David's back to those who were tired of David's rule. Look at verse 7. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruah, and with Abathar, the priest, and, with, and they followed Adoniah, and, and following him, he helped him, or they helped him. He then planned the feast to celebrate taking over the throne, but, but before that, if we look at verse 8, notice this, but Zadok, the priest, and Benaniah, the son of Jerodiah, or Jerodah, and Nathan, the prophet, and Shimei, and Rai, and, and the mighty men which belonged to David were not with Adoniah. In other words, he knew who would support him, and he knew who didn't. Is that not what we do in our own lives? I've seen it happen in the church many times. Somebody has a disagreement, so they go with those that know that they've been hurt, or they've been this, or they've been kind of, you know, maybe ignored, or whatever it is. They know that they are, are, are likely to go against whatever is happening, so they go to them, and they get them as followers, and all of a sudden, they have a, 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 a posse around them. They have a, a squad around them of people that all they want to do is ruin what is happening. I've seen that done in the church house. Can I just warn you and, and help you? If you're looking for people that are hurting, you don't have to look far. But if you're going to look for people to hurt, how about you look to help them? <laughs> so verse 9 through 10 says this, And Adonai slew sheep 
and oxen and fat cattle by the stone of Zoeleth, which is by Enrogel, and called his brethren, the king's son, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants, but Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah, and the mighty men, and Solomon his brother, he called not. And again, he's not going to call those that he's against, but yet he's celebrating him taking the throne, which is not his. Anyone ever heard a shotgun? Anyone ever heard a shotgun? I'm, I'm about to get charismatic on you real quick, okay? If you don't start just responding, okay? All right? But we've all heard a shotgun. Now, I'm not talking about shotgun. like I'm talking about like shotgun in a car. Anyone ever heard of that? Passenger seat. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Michael. So, so how does shotgun work? Well, shotgun works like this. If you're out in the parking lot, you see the car. That's rule. That's a rule. You see the car and you say, shotgun! And that means that you have rights to the passenger seat. So in the youth group, here's how this happens. Nobody gets shotgun. You can call shotgun all you want. But usually what happens, actually 10 out of 10 times, the adult that is going on the trip gets what? Because it's already promised to them. So what's funny is you can, you can sit there and say, shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. And you can go to that pad and you can be like, unlock the car, unlock the car. <laughs> it doesn't matter because that's not your seat. See, Adonai was trying to call shotgun to the throne when he had no right to the throne. And see, a lot of times when people get into this position, they'll do things that you never thought they'd do to get what they want. So why not invite Nathan and Solomon? Well, Adonai, once on the throne, in his mind, would remove those threats. In other words, he would kill them. He'd be done with them. Talk about history repeating itself. Surely David has learned. Surely David is seeing all this happening and thinking, nope, not again. Right here, Adonai, we got to have a talk. We got to talk about this. We, listen, you're my son. I love you, but we got to talk about this. We got to talk about what you're doing. Surely David learned from Absalom and Amnon and Tamar that you don't just allow things to happen in your family. Well, let's see how he responded. Look at verse 6 again. And his father had not displeased him at any time in saying, why hast thou done so? In other words, what the Bible is telling us is David never went to him to question or rebuke or restrain what was going on. Now, you do realize at this point, David is still king. David, although he is, he is uh, completely soft with his kids and completely neglectful, David is still king of Israel. What he says goes. But he didn't say anything. No discipline, no restraint, no rebuke of, the, of his son's sin, no question of why, just nothing. How tragic of a situation. All the heartache David had experienced with his family, yet nothing has changed. Do we not see this in our family so often, though? We tend to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Well, I know it didn't work with this one. Well, I know my first one was turned away from the Lord, but, well, but this child is different, preacher. They're going to be able to discern right from wrong. We're going we're gonna to put all these idols in their life. We're going we're gonna to do this and do that and, and, and make sure the priority list is, is, is everything we want. And then when we have time, the Lord, but, but they're going to know that I love Jesus. So, so when they get older, that surely we make the same mistake over and over again, I, I love uh, 
Shane Pruitt, by the way, did a great job preaching to your students. I just want you to know that. He, I mean, it was, it, it, let's just put it this way. Usually I cringe when I go to student conferences because it's so studenty, right? They try so hard. They use all these terms. Now, granted, he did have skinny jeans on and some Nikes um, but that, and a hoodie, but that's beside the point. But, uh, you know, but he, he looked apart, but, man, he preached, in my opinion, a message that was very convicting. And he said this. He said, man, he said, we think we do good. Now, I want you to listen up right here. Shane Pruitt said, we think we do good by saying that we got to reprioritize. And, man, this hit me like a ton of bricks because I'm one of those, make sure your priorities are right. Make sure your list of priorities have God, has God at the top. And he said, you know, we, we'll, 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 if we had the right one out that people had to see, we'd make sure God was at the top, right, then family, then church, then sports, and this and that, school, whatever it is, right? But he said, but that's not, that's not how it works. He says, God owns the list. If you are a believer, if, you're, if you are a born-again believer, it's not God and then, then another one, and then something else and something else and something else. No, what it is is God is first in my family. God is first at my church. God is first at school. God is first in sports. God is first in whatever you have in your priority list. God is first in every single one of them because he owns the life that you live because he's the one that gave it. And that's good stuff right there. That got me excited. But obviously, each child, and we talked about this before. I told you I repeat it. May respond better to different forms of discipline. But every child will fall away if you let them. But we continue with idolatry of this world. We continue with double standards. We continue with circumstantial obedience rather than faithful obedience. We continue with shifting morals and beliefs, and we wonder why our kids grow up. And I'm just going to be honest with you as the general. I'm not talking about just your kid. I'm not talking about your friend's kid. I'm not talking about your niece and nephew. I'm talking about the generation of kids that we had today. We wonder why they're so messed up because there's no continuity. When we have time, God is important. But when we don't have time, God is not important. But if you do something, I'll quote Scripture to you. Well, why are we quoting Scripture if, if this is what you've taught me to do? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Absalom, left unrestrained, did unspeakable sins against his father, his nation, and ultimately against God. Absalom. And then now we have Adonijah out of the same womb. Left unrestrained is going down the same path. An unbridled life will produce unbridled sin. Well, preacher, they're just sowing their wild oats. Restrain it. You do understand it takes one action, one thing, one tragedy for us to leave this world. Well, we just want them to have a good time. Oh, oh, hey, hey, you know, they're, they're, he's dating, but man, that girl's really pretty. Aren't you proud of him? Look at how pretty she is. Well, well what, what's the dating situation? Well, you know, they just kind of go on and, and have Bible studies over by the lake. How done can we be? I mean, seriously. Think about it for a second. Well, you know, yeah, they're, they're kind of dabbling in the drinking, but 
Man, we taught, we taught them that moderation is best. Or when we taught them that that's not, shouldn't be in God's life. But it's their, it's their decision. It's their... That right there is confusing. What we should, what our kids should know is that mama and daddy taught them that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, you know, that schedule is just what the schedule is. We can't do nothing about it. Well, to, to, to get where we need to get to in life, it's just, you know, this is just a season. Not to your kid. To your kid, it's their life. Have I made anyone mad this morning? That's okay. We can eat Thanksgiving dinner together. And you will use point two or three. I forget which one. You will seek restoration with me. But how many lives ruined, families destroyed, even lives lost, all because a father or a mother refused to restrain their sinful heart? Well, they were such a good kid, I don't know what happened. We may not know what happened, but we definitely know what didn't happen. Galatians 6.1 says it like this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou... Also be tempted. You know what the issue is? Typically, the parents in the house are not even the spiritual leaders. I've seen that. I've seen that a whole lot, especially working in school. That parents don't get don't care nothing about the Lord, and they but they'll send their kids to church and say, "Hey, go learn how to live a good life." But when you come here, I'll teach you how to sin. I want you to know something. The Bible says, "There's none righteous, no, not one." That includes me, you, and our kids. But we are quick to attempt to call out and rebuke someone else's sin. Again, I told you, I think it was last week or the week before, man, we are, we are really good at saying, hey, hey, get that kid to pipe down. If that was my kid, blah, 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 right? We love calling out other people's sins. Proverbs 27.5 says this, open rebuke is better than secret love. Some people, some people say, well, well if, if I do this, they won't like me. But later on, I promise you this, they'll love you. Let me tell you something. And she's not here, and that's a good thing because she's getting the, the dinner ready. I've got a mama that was not raised in a Christian home. As a matter of fact, her and my daddy went hand in hand down the altar together. I think it was 1998. And gave their life to Christ. My life could have been very different, church. Could have been very different. But I want you to tell me, my mom, well, I want to tell you that my mom, listen, hey, growing up, she would make a lot of people mad. She'd make me mad. I don't know if, I don't know if your mom or daddy's ever made you angry or upset. Whoever tells me all the time, you're making me upset. I'm like, go lay down. I'm like, no, we have a conversation. We talk about it. No, don't. Kind of. But I'll tell you this. There's been times where I wanted to do something, or I thought this was the cool thing, or growing up, everyone else was doing it. But I had a mama who hated sin. She hated alcohol. She hated drugs. She hated, she hated anything to do with uh, premarital sex or anything like that. She hated it. And she was really strict about it. 
Now, there were times to where I would rebel this or that, but I can tell you this. I'm standing here today with certain convictions that I have. Now, now they're even greater convictions because I've studied myself the book. But listen, there's been times like, Mama, you just don't like me. You just don't. But now I know that she loved me. And she knew that the path that I could take with all those things on that path would lead to destruction. How could she know that? Because she lived that life. She's seen that life with her family. She's seen the pattern of despair with those around her growing up, and she didn't want the same thing for her kids. Now, listen, my parents have faults, but there's one thing I know. Because they were so strict on me, I know they love me. And guess what? It took me being an adult to understand that. (laughs) Because when I was in high school, let me just tell you something, I didn't like it. But now as an adult, I I pray that I'm the same way with my kids. Is Is anyone understanding what I'm saying? See, David loved his kids. There's no doubt that David loved his kids. And there's no doubt that you love your kids. This message is not to make you doubt that you love your kids. However, he never properly showed it. Just to give closure, Adoniah Adoniah uh, tried to overtake the throne that belonged to Solomon. He even tried to trick Solomon after Solomon inevitably took the throne that was promised to him. Solomon saw through it, and Adoniah was put to death. Now we have Three sons that have died. Another child of David's lost. We've seen thus far David make many mistakes with his family. And I can tell you this, that I had uh, somebody come to me one time and they put a Bible on on my desk. And they said, explain this. And that's always great, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, Lord, hopefully I can explain it, you know what I'm saying? But it was someone who is seeking right now, someone who is really looking for truth. And they were in Genesis, and they were talking about explaining this, how God can bless disobedience like I'm reading about right now. She's talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, because, man, they were messed up. <laughs> That's what I told her. Now, listen, listen in. I told her, I said, listen. I said, we only get what God allowed us to get. Their life was much more than their mistakes. Although in God's providence, in God's compassion and love, he has shown us the mistakes they've made to teach us what not to do. Now, what I love to know every single thing that David did in his life, we know a lot. We know a lot of good things and we know a lot of bad things. But there are many things. And the Bible is not wrong when it calls David a man after God's own heart. His life as a whole was defined by loving the Lord. But we see many of his mistakes. And I try, to, I try to encourage her and say, listen, let me ask you this. If all people knew were your mistakes and they wrote a book, what would you think about that book? Right? You think the same way you, well, how could this person be a good person? Listen, understand, if, if anyone needs to hear this, you do not have to be defined by the faults and mistakes in your life. You can be defined by your faithfulness to the Lord. But it takes a life of repentance. It takes a life of turning to the Lord. Does that make any sense this morning? So anyway, we see that David's made a lot of mistakes. We may not be able to relate to these specific details. Hopefully hopefully at Thanksgiving, you're not going to have some of your family coming on horseback with swords and and bow and arrows. If that happens, shut the doors, close the blinds, and I guess grab the guns because that's going to be an easy fight. But anyway, we may not be able to relate to this. But I would be confident 
and that we can relate to making similar mistakes in principle. But David goes out in a very encouraging way. He has, his last lesson was a positive one. And so number five, we're almost done, we'll get to eating. We must teach our children what is actually important. We must teach those that we love what is actually important. Now, we know in 1 Kings 1 that we find David, an old, battle-worn man who cannot get warm. You can read that yourself right here in verse 1. Now, King David was an old and stricken in years, and they covered him with clothes, but he got no heat. So we're going we're gonna to move now to 1 Kings chapter 2. In other words, uh, he's about to die, so go to chapter 2 and look at verse 1. Now, the days of David drew nigh that he should die. King David. The, the shepherd boy who became giant slayer, the one who uh, the first uh, 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 king of Israel saw, tried to kill, and he was hiding in the caves and hiding with his supporters. Now he has the throne. The, this, the, the legendary King David is about to die. You know that life is going to end. It does matter what you do in this life. I don't want to get, get on that. That's a whole other message. But David's about to die with all the mistakes that he had made, with all the neglect that he had showed. David is a prime example of starting strong, losing his way every, every now and again, realizing it, and therefore finishing strong. So we're going to look at how he finished strong. This is what it says. Now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. In other words, he's saying, son, I'm, I'm about to die. Be, be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. What does David charge Solomon to be? Strong, a man, keeping the charge of the Lord thy God. But notice what he doesn't tell him to be. He doesn't mention power. He doesn't mention wealth. He doesn't mention comfort or influence. He doesn't mention any of that. See, David charged his son to be a godly man, to fear God and obey his law. If you want a New Testament uh, form of this, it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, if we can get there on the, on the screen. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now remember, before that, the lesson was is that we worry about what to wear, and we worry about what to eat, and we worry about all these earthly things. And, and Jesus says, if you would just seek first, just seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to you. Are we teaching this to our kids, to our loved ones? Sadly, not very often. Most of the lessons we teach our kids is to seek wealth, seek security, seek influence, seek stability, seek education. And once you get all these things, once everything is right, once everything is, is proper and in its place on earth, then seek Jesus. But right now, you have things to get done. Church, this does not just relate to parents. This relates to every Christian in this room. 
God help us. David, a man after God's own heart, truly loved the Lord, yes, but he made many mistakes. And as difficult as it is, people will remember our failures and mistakes far more than our successes. But the beautiful thing about the Lord is he forgets our sin. Now, you say, well, Jacob, I've studied my Bible. And to that I say, praise the Lord. That's good. Anyway, <laughs> I love people come to me and say, well, Jake, I've read this. I'm like, well, that's good. That's good. You should read more. But I know Solomon. Solomon may have not been like Absalom or Amnon or Adoniah, but Solomon, he made his mistakes. I mean, Solomon had... Uh, a thousand uh, women. He had all this stuff. He, 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 he went after and pursued wine. He married foreign women who drew his heart away from God. He sought after them. He sought after women, wine, wealth, and wisdom. And guess what? He got it. Solomon, outside of Jesus himself, was the smartest man that's ever walked this earth, was the wisest man that ever walked this earth. And at the end of it all, he wrote in Ecclesiastes that life is vanity of vanities without God. I want you to know something. You say, well, you're kind of contradicting because you said David ended well, but, but Solomon obviously didn't listen too much to that because he went and sowed his wild oats. So, so even if we teach and we do, there's no hope, there's no chance. Like it's just, well, hold on. When all these things were happening with Amnon and Absalom and Adoniah, Solomon was around. Solomon was watching. Dad, why don't you just go to Absalom? Ah, I will tomorrow. Dad, do you know what Amnon has done? Yeah, that makes me mad. Adoniah has his posse out there. He's, he's wanting to... To like take your throne. That's promised to me, Dad. Yeah, I know. Understand this. Our kids will listen to what we say. They'll hear it. It may go in one ear and out the other, you think, a lot, but they'll hear it. It's, it's kind of like in, in church when you got a kid that's coloring and you got that judgmental a uh, person saying, oh, that kid's coloring. That, that, that parent needs to go ahead and smack them in the head and say, listen to the preacher. They are. You do realize that, right? They're hearing the message. <laughs> That's, that might be how they focus. It's better than y'all falling asleep. <laughs> anyway. But either way, listen. Our kids will listen to what we say. But they will follow what we do. And that's how... David led, he would say things, but his actions would not match them. And at the end of his life, hey, he did what he's supposed to do as a dad. That right there, listen, that right there is a beautiful charge. And it was right and it was good. But it didn't overcome all the mistakes that he made by neglecting and ignoring and showing the wrong way. Church, let's learn from the mistakes of David. 
Do not overlook sin. Do not neglect forgiveness and restoration. Do not teach them the wrong way. What you say matters, but not as much as what you do. Well, son, I love Jesus. And that son grows up saying you love everything but Jesus. So that son is going to grow up thinking that I can love Jesus without actually loving him. You tell your daughter, hey, listen, you need to put Christ first. In everything you do, put Christ first. That little girl grows up hearing you say that, but never seeing Christ actually being first. And they grow up to be in middle school. And all of a sudden we think, oh, it's just their punk age. It's just their, it's just their you know, they're middle schoolers. A lot of things are changing. And that is true. And, that, and that's, that's, you know, trust me, I sub for middle school. I get, mm. But then they become teenagers and, oh, well, they're just teenagers. They, you know, I've told them. Then they become young adults. And we would never admit it. But deep down in our hearts and our minds, we understand they're going the wrong way. Why don't they love Jesus? I told them to love Jesus. I told them to put him first. What are they doing? Why have they left the church? Why have they left the faith? Because they were never shown the way. You know what the beautiful part about that is, though? The gospel can overcome that. I don't care how wayward your child is. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ can change a wayward child just like this. <laughs> the gospel can overcome. Where, where, where sin abounds, the Bible says grace abounds the more. So church, maybe you don't have, maybe you don't have a family, maybe whatever. It is. I, I, I'm preaching to everybody. I'm not just preaching to parents. But how do you handle the sin in your life? Parents, how you handle the sin in your life? How, what are the pri- how does the priority list, is it Jesus and everything else, or is it Jesus, 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 Jesus? When your kid sins or when you find out about it, how do you handle it? Well, that's just how they are. You better hope it don't stay the same. Because if there's never been a change, listen, this goes for everybody. Salvation is a transformation. When you get saved, listen, you change. You know what my biggest pet peeve? Well, I've, I have a lot of biggest pet peeves. But you know one of my biggest pet peeves in ministry is? Is when we excuse lostness by saying, well, that's just so-and-so. <laughs> Been like that ever since he was a child. That's not good. If, there's, if, it's, if we're talking about a sinful way, if we're talking about, well, he just he does this or he does that or she does this or she, she well, they're just not going to come to church or well, they're just not going to stop cussing or, well, they're just not going to stop getting drunk or they're just not going to stop this or stop that. They're just not going to. You better hope there's a change. And only Jesus can make that change. So what can we learn from David? Or well, we would continue to make the same mistakes and continue to see our families falling apart. When the pieces fall apart, how are you going to pick them up? When heads bowed, eyes closed, all over this place.